Well, good morning again, everyone. Would you please take out this green piece of paper that you got on your way in, which is our church's membership covenant. And I hope everyone has one of these, even if you're not a member of our church, it will be helpful for you to look at this. Um, I have come to the conclusion that I love this covenant. I've spent a lot of time with this document over the last year and a half, two years especially, and I love what this is. I love how it outlines the Christian life in community. I love the principle behind having a membership covenant. And this morning, I just want to, I want to help you see what I see, if that's possible. I want to help you love this as well. We are now, and for the next four Sundays, um, going to be going through this in, our, in my sermons and talking about what it means to be a church member. Um, it, it is to covenant together, to commit together in this church. Now, about two years ago, I became convinced that in order for our church to be healthier in some ways, we needed to clarify um, and shine light on our membership practices. You know, nobody really likes to talk about that. It can be a sore subject. It can be become loaded with, loaded with a lot of different feelings. But, but membership is a beautiful thing. So I shared this desire with the church, uh, I don't know, 18 months ago at a quarterly meeting, and a small group was formed to study what membership is from Scripture and to look at how other churches practice membership and to examine how we have done with membership. And through that process, I had all kinds of ideas, and I was kind of tempted to like create something totally new and fresh and exciting. But thankfully, we talked to Dale Edwards, who is our American Baptist Church, Vermont, New Hampshire, regional minister. And he gave us some sage advice. He said, you have a great membership covenant already. Maybe to go forward as a church, you need to go back to that covenant. And that's exactly what we're trying to do today and through this whole process. Because when you boil down what membership means to one word, it's the word covenant. A covenant is a commitment or a promise or a mutual agreement to do something together. A church is a covenant family of believers in Jesus committed to one another. So we are kind of rediscovering or, or renewing our focus on this covenant uh, this spring, I was uh, digging outside our garage to put in a new walkway for our, for our entrance. And I thought, wouldn't it be nice to have some big pieces of slate to like lay in this walkway or maybe some pavers? But I wasn't going to spend that much money or I wasn't going to ask the trustees to spend that much money. Um, so I started digging. I, I settled on a gravel walkway. I started digging for the, the gravel base to lay the base. And my shovel struck something hard and flat and smooth. And I began to scrape away dirt more and more until I had 
a hole about this big over this smooth, flat object. And then I got the corner of my shovel under it, and I realized it was a giant piece of thick slate. And under my feet that whole time were all of these pieces of slate, beautiful slabs of slate, which are now part of the walkway. They were right there under my feet the whole time. And I kind of feel like our church covenant is that way. It's been under our feet. It's been part of our church for at least since about 1956, this particular covenant. It's been modified slightly since then, but it's been with us, and we haven't always recognized it or followed it or realized how good it is. So my goal today is just to look at the preamble and paragraph one of this covenant And I want to help you see why we need this, why this is a good thing. I have two reasons for you for why we need this. Here's the first reason. We need a covenant because following Jesus requires committed community. Following Jesus requires committed community. So look at, look at the first line, the, the preamble of this covenant. It says, In response to Jesus Christ's commandment and his commission to his church, the members of Georgia Plain Baptist Church commit ourselves to the following covenant. In response to Jesus Christ's commandment, what is that? It's referring to love one another as I have loved you. John 15, 12, right? Love one another. That's what, what Jesus commands. What is his commission? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. That's sometimes called the Great Commission. So we have the, this command, love one another, and this commission, make disciples. How are we going to do that? Um, Can you love one another by yourself? Can you make disciples um, by yourself? No? Can you do any of these things quickly and easily or scattershot or willy-nilly? No. Can you love people you don't know very well or are not committed to? Uh Uh-uh. You see, this... This covenant is in response to what Jesus told us to do. Jesus' commands require committed community. People who, who stick around with each other, who live out the Christian life together. And as you read through the New Testament, um, this is exactly what you see happening. As the apostles go and preach the gospel, they don't just convert individuals or share the gospel with, you know, to to change individual lives, they start churches, communities, little schools of love, of of Christ's love. Little little Jesus-centered communities, and those are called churches, which is what we are. Um, For example, listen to 1 Corinthians 16, verse 19 where Paul is writing to a church in the Roman city of Corinth. He says, The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. 
Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets in their house. So do you you see what's going on there? There, Paul's talking about particular churches, particular communities of faith with leaders, with organization, with structure. Uh, They know who is a part of those churches because Because following Jesus takes committed community. The Bible never says in so many words, you know, go find a local church and become a member. That's that's not a command you'll see in Scripture. But what I do want you to see is that Scripture requires, or, you know, inherent in Jesus' commands is the need for committed community. That's why we have a covenant in the first place. You need a community of actual people in an actual place in your zip code to live out your faith in Jesus. It takes commitment. And this is true pretty much of anything worthwhile that we do, right? It, it's soccer season right now. So think of a soccer team. A soccer team is a group of players and coaches, this little community committed to becoming great at soccer. And how do they do that? They show up in rain, shine, and snow to practice. And you could say this about, about any sport, right? They, they stretch their bodies till they hurt. They work through team conflicts and learn to work together. They experience losses and taste victory, all because they think soccer is worth it. Right? And the same is true of, of a farm or a business or a school or a marriage. Right? And following Jesus is the most worthwhile thing you could ever do with your life. How much more then should following Jesus take committed community? People doing this together, supporting each other, loving each other. Um, uh, sticking with each other. You, you will not grow in Christ in a, in a willy-nilly, scatterplot fashion if you're dipping a little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit with this TV program and that podcast. Sure, those are good ways to learn. But really growing in learning to love actual people. You need a committed community for that. I think the best analogy we have to membership covenant is a marriage, right? Two people come together and pledge their love and commitment to one another. They're not pledging just their current feelings for one another. They're pledging their future commitment, right? With God's help for richer or poorer, for better or worse, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. There are times in marriage that you don't feel like loving your spouse. That's what the promise is for. There are times in church when you don't feel like showing up for worship or you don't feel like forgiving someone or you don't feel like growing close to God. That's what the promise is for. That's what the covenant is for. To create this committed community. I'd like you to think back over your life as a Christian. 
Think about a time that you really grew in your faith. Maybe it was a time when you began to actually want to follow Jesus in some new ways, or a time when the Spirit was at work in your life, a time when you were figuring out how to, how to use your gifts to serve others. And if you kind of look around the room in that memory, I bet what you see is other people. People who were committed to you, right? A small group Bible study, or a teacher, or people serving alongside you. That's why we have a church covenant. Well, here's the second reason why we need this covenant. So the first is because we need committed community to follow Jesus. Here's the second. Because a church covenant reflects God's design for the church. Right? Uh, I believe that, that the church as a covenant family best, um, best shows what the church actually is. A covenant family. It's interesting as you read the Bible... Um, and if you've ever been in church leadership of any, t- any type or ministry, you'll, you might have been frustrated by this, that the Bible describes uh, the fact that many churches started, right? And it gives you a little bit of a window into how those churches were organized, but it doesn't actually tell you how to start a church, how to be a church, how to form a church. And I believe that God in his wisdom left that flexible so that people in every time and place could do it in a way that, that was appropriate for their context, right? Um, and I want to tell you the story of how, how church covenants like ours through history came to be a way of making a church. So imagine, go back in time with me, imagine that the year is 1550. So the screen is not there and the mics are not here and I'm dressed a little different than this. 1550 in a little town of England, Georgia Plains, Hampshire, England. Okay? And we are the town church. We are the church of our town. There's no others. And this church is under the authority of a bishop who is then under the authority of an archbishop who is then under the authority of the king of England himself. Because there's no separation between church and state. Uh, church and, and the, the, the earthly kingdom are seen as one in the same, or commingled at least. And so there's actually a law on the books, that every baby born in this town, in this parish, be brought to the church and baptized at a certain, you know, few days, few weeks old. And then they will be listed as a member of our church and a subject of King Henry VIII because it's 1550 in England. Okay? That's the way it is. And, of course, what happens is Um, There are many people who belong to the church in this parish who do love Jesus, who do want to follow him, and there are many who could care less about Jesus. But they're all members of the church. They're all part of this parish. But things are changing 
around this time because in Europe, all, all over Europe, there's something happening. There's a revolution that we now call the Protestant Reformation. It's a spiritual, uh, religious, um, cultural revolution. It's really centered on recovering the Bible and, and some key doctrines of the Christian faith in Scripture. And one of those changes had to do with how churches were formed or what makes a church a church. So back here in, in Georgia Plains, England, you begin to read your Bible and you think, wait a minute, what I see here is that the church is not supposed to be a state institution. It's supposed to be a, a voluntary um, family of believers in Jesus Christ. People who have a profession of faith, who weren't just baptized as a ritual as kids and then grew up to do whatever they wanted, but who have been baptized in full understanding of what that means and, and want to follow Jesus, right? That's what I see a church is here. And you begin to realize that there are a lot of other people around you that think the same thing. And eventually you say, we believe we need to form a new church, a church that is not an arm of the state or of, of, of the King of England, but that is made up, it's a spiritual family in Christ, right? How, and how is that church formed? Now we're, we're getting to what, why we have a covenant. How is that church formed? Not based on the authority of a bishop or the king, or a geography, but based on voluntary covenant together. A covenant to mutually support one another and be the church. And that is pretty much what happened 228 years ago in Georgia. When the first Baptists who settled here got together, they were meeting in homes, and they said, we want to be a church. We want to to do this Christian life intentionally. And we believe that a church is a family of, of born-again believers in Jesus who voluntarily covenant together. That's how this church got started. Now, the covenant we use today is no doubt uh, not the same exact covenant they used in the beginning. But look at how it starts. In paragraph 1, having been led as we believe by the Spirit of God to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior and on the profession of our faith, having been baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Let's pause there. You see what they're saying is that we are coming to this thing as those who believe God has God has changed us. God has done something in our lives. He's made us born again. We understand who Jesus is. We want to follow him. That's, that's the appropriate foundation of a church. So, so knowing all that, it says, We do now in the presence of God, angels and this assembly, most solemnly and joyfully enter into covenant with one another as one body in Christ. They're saying, we're going we're gonna to do this right. We're going to be a church body. 
that preaches the gospel, that loves one another, that practices an orderly church life. And a covenant is at the center of that, uh, of that, um, the, what was started, a church. So a covenant, I believe, reflects God's design for the church as a place where believers in Christ choose to come together to live out their faith. Um, so when we use a covenant like this, like ours, we are hooking on to a way of being church that is hundreds of years old, that is time-tested. There, there's wisdom in that. And so we're going back. We're going forward by going back. Let me read you a short passage that I found exciting, believe it or not, from a book in my office. <laughs> Prepare to be thrilled. Uh, Here's what it says. During the 17th century, so 400 plus years ago, it was a normal custom of Baptists to form a new congregation by covenanting with God and one another to walk together in all the ways which God would make known to them. The persons who were to be constituent members of a church would draw up a covenant and at a formal meeting would sign their names to the document. The act of covenanting made explicit the vows implied in baptism, and their act was the means of constituting the church. Now listen to this. New members consented to accept the terms of the covenant, and periodically entire congregations renewed their covenant vows, which is what we're doing today. We're going forward by going back. So we are doing something new for us today, which is this covenant renewal. But it's actually a very old thing, a very time-tested thing, and there's wisdom in it. So I hope you see uh, why this is important. I mean, we'll get to what the covenant actually says of us and asks of us in future weeks. I'm sure most of you have have read it and known it before. And it's really just a description of the Christian life. It's nothing extraordinary or special or unique to our church. It's just walking the Christian life together. And today, we have the opportunity to renew these vows to one another. I'll close by, by sharing this that um, this summer on July 3rd, Meg and the kids and I dressed up in some nice clothes and we got into the van and drove down to my parents' house in Middlebury. My parents' pastor was there along with about 20 extended family members. And we gathered in, in a large room in their house in front of a big window looking east. And my parents explained why they wanted to renew their marriage vows. They they were doing it um, not just to pledge their ongoing love for one another, but but to publicly declare what God has done to keep them together for 43 years. It was a beautiful time. And so they joined hands, and in this very solemn yet very joyful ceremony, they repeated their wedding vows to one another. 
And that's kind of like what we're doing today. We get to renew these covenant vows to one another, before God to one another. And just like in any marriage, it's not our effort or our faithfulness alone that makes this possible. We rest on the massive foundation of God's faithfulness. You know, every, every husband and wife have at some point broken their, their marriage vows by not loving one another as they should. And each one of us who's a church member has broken these vows. We're not coming here to say, you know, we're going we're gonna to buckle down and we're really going to do this. And you better get in shape because, because this is the way it's going to be and we're going to make this happen. We're saying, by God's grace, may we be people who do these things, who commit to doing these things. Let's pray. Lord, as the song said that we've sung today, every vow we've broken and betrayed, but you are the faithful one. You are the faithful one. I thank you that your faithfulness makes possible our promise to one another. Because even when we fail, there is grace, there is forgiveness. And even in failure, our community, when we're, when we're committed to you, we can stay together. God, I thank you for this occasion today of renewing our covenant vows. I pray that this would be a joyful and a solemn time, a time of affirming our commitment to you and to one another. I pray for people here or watching at home who are not, who are not members officially of this church, but I pray that they would feel your welcome and our welcome as they are here with us this morning. And we pray that you would strengthen our bonds of love Help us to, to walk these things out, to, to live out the commands of Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. So 